0: Hi, you're now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. We're happy to bring you sermons like this one every week. You can find other sermons at our site at harvest-community.org. So without
1: further ado, here's our speaker. I want to invite Scott Grizak, Executive Director of GRIP, to come and share with us what God is doing in their ministry. And then after that, Sean Proctor, who's also from GRIP, will come and bring the Word of God to us. Let's give him a hand. Oh man, it's, um, you know, the older I get, Dave and I are growing old together. Uh, you know, I'm like, now I got the glasses going, my back hurt. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, and you guys started a healing ministry. Um, I heard, I heard a healing ministry broke out here. So I'm, I'm really glad to be here this morning so y'all can lay hands on this old man. Um, but, um, I, I'm, the older I get, I'm, I'm realizing in ministry, um, Paul, when he wrote, uh, man, I so long to be with you. Every time I come here, I get emotional. What's, what's going on here? Um, because um, Dave is right. Uh, you, this was like the first church that partnered with us. You guys were one of the first churches um, to partner with us and to start walking with us. And there's nothing like being able to come and see you guys and just be reminded of all of the blessings. I know Frankie's coming next week. I don't know if they know that, but Frankie's coming next week, right? And and, and, and I'm just reminding, you know, Dave's like, yeah, Frank's coming next week. And I'm like, oh, man, like he wouldn't have been able to go to Iraq without you guys and bear fruit there, and when I went and visited, and I just saw what was being done there, and the pastors that were being raised up there, just in awe, I think he's going to tell you, well, I won't, I won't steal his thunder, okay, so, so we'll, we'll say that for him, but um, I do want you to do this uh, before I forget, um, please, when you see Paul Cho, Okay, I told him that I was going to use him in a couple of illustrations this morning. Okay, and uh, we've been kind of walking together and praying for each other. And so when you see him, just grab his arm and say, Paul, I didn't know what Scott shared. Like, I'm praying for you, brother. All right? He's dressed in pink right now. He's in the children's ministry. It's awesome. All right? So we're praying for fruit to work through Paul. But could you do that for me? All right? Because I know he'd really appreciate it. All right? All um, right. I did want to show you a couple of things. Is there a, uh, just to give you a quick update of the fruit of the ministry? And so, yeah, there we go. Um, that video that we just, uh, uh, maybe not. The video that we showed, some of you might have seen that, uh, before, and we'll go past this, maybe. Okay. Uh, some of you might have seen that before. Um, And I showed that very intentionally because I wanted to share with you what what's been on our hearts moving forward. Um but if you see connection points, we run a slam program on Monday night. Some of you have been down to see that. Please, as you're when you're coming to see Hamilton, if you could stop by and and just, you know, check that out with us. Um but it's it's an awesome night. And um and so that's been We've been getting stirred to go and take that to the west side and the south side. And there's been some other people from, from other cities that have been like, I want to do this in Minneapolis. And so if you can pray for wisdom around that, because there's a lot of good things and we just want to be able to steward well. Um, but SLAM is rocking. Um, the Grip the School initiative is rocking. We're turning schools down. They're asking us to come. And we're limited by the staff that we have. And so Sean is going to come up. And I, I'm so excited. He's going to come up. He's the director of our Grip the School program. And so we've had Brian here before to share with you. And, you know, uh, Brian is Brian. And, and he's a discipleship guy. And now we get to introduce to you the Energizer Bunny for Jesus on our staff. Um, and so we're very excited. But he and his wife Pamela, his daughters Ann Marie is here today. Pamela's not. Um, but they've taken in uh, foster a baby recently and so they're doing life on life inside the home outside the home just really glad that you can meet with him um, and so the connection points are thriving and so it's just a matter of we, we reach out to five six hundred students through those connection points we have about 150 130 i think it's the, the the last number i heard is right now we have 135 to 39 students in life on life meeting every week outside the program regularly with christians like shane that you saw in the video. And, um, and so if you can um, be praying for that, because one of the things that we want to do is we want to go and scale out to more um, Chicago public schools. We feel that this is where Jesus would be, and we want to stir the churches around those schools to kind of uh, adopt those schools and pray for those schools and get in those schools just like what we've been able to do um, through Grip, the Grip the School Initiative. So if you can be praying for that, but before we do that, before we go out, Um, We really feel a burden, let me see, on the resource side, um, oh, just very quickly, streetlights, um, yeah, 90,000 downloads later, right, Um, 2,000 downloads in China. There's an app that you can download on your phone, it's free. I listen to it in the morning, so if you can pull out your phones, it's this one, it's free, and and it's awesome. And so we just uh, are going to finish the entire, we've just finished the entire New Testament in English. And uh, we're going to move on to Psalms and Proverbs. And um, if, uh, if the Lord does some really cool things, um, Spanish has been demanded of us. And so we're going to move how many Spanish speakers are there in the country. Um, and so illiteracy uh, hits some of the immigrate, immigrants as well. And so we're uh, hopefully going to continue on that. But um, that's hit, yeah, as I shared last time, 85 countries, uh, the shores of 85 countries, just awesome. You share in the fruit of this. And um, the last thing I, I just, I, I wanted to share is this other, uh, the reason why I wanted you to see Shane and Malik's story. Um, when we go to the high school and we talk to Principal uh, Femi, um, where uh, Malik graduated from, they thought they lost Malik to the gangs. Like she, she was just like, yeah, we, we literally thought that it was, it was done. Shane got him to graduate. And so, um... There's this awesome thing right now. He's graduated. He's got a degree. But in the city of Chicago, you know, there, there's like the unemployment rate for 18 to 22-year-olds is like 13% around the country. For Latinos, 15%. It rises to 24% for African-Americans. Our kids, it's, it's like nobody wants to hire our kids. It's got to be like 50%. And then our kids don't even know how to go about getting a job. And so we've just felt a burden as we reach out to 600 And we're walking life maybe with 130 to 50 students at any given time. We just feel the need to kind of care for them and raise them up well and prepare them for adulthood. And so Shane is one of the three businesses that have been sitting at a table. We've been incubating a program called Future Steps to help prepare our students. And so um, Shane has been, when he took Malik on, he's like, well, I'm going to hire you. Because post high school, if kids can't get a job, they're just going to hang out. And they're going to hang out with the people they know. and Those are the people on the block and at, at the corner. So eventually they're going to get caught up in something. And so I just, I'm, I'm here to tell you, like Shane, uh, when he employed Malik, Malik's been working for Shane for uh, over three years now. And he's killing it. And he's taking college classes. And he's, he's thriving in his relationship with the Lord. And, and so we're just like, wow, we want more of that. And so we're going to Christian business. So we had a, a man who owns an insurance company in Downers Grove. And a small small company, they've taken eight of our students one at a time for three month internships. And this brother takes off th- Tuesday and Thursday afternoon to teach um, um, business planning and time management and how to set goals and how to do a budget and how to shake hands. And he brings them uh, these kids with them. And so for three months they get to develop a work ethic. And there's a long ramp. They're not going to get fired right away. And no productivity is added. Um, To this business, this guy actually loses money because he takes time off to do this and it's awesome because he gets it There's kingdom productivity at work. And so uh, we've been working with these three businesses now We're at the point. where We're like, wow, we want to go and have like 40 of those Internship opportunities with Christians that own business manage businesses and then impart some of this adult wisdom onto our kids and then Of course, we need other jobs the sink or swim jobs. Yeah, I'll hire your kid. I normally wouldn't. He can be a truck driver. By the way, my truck drivers make sixty-five dollars to $85,000 a year. I'll give him a shot, but it's sink or swim. Most of our kids will sink if, if at that opportunity right away. They need the ramp. And so we're trying to develop those ramps. So Shane, it's not, it's not a complete loss of productivity because Malik has to process his trades. Otherwise, Shane doesn't get paid. So when Malik early on didn't show up, Shane would just come up and be like, "Okay, brother, now you owe me money. (laughs) I'm not going to fire you because we're discipling. I'm discipling you, but you know. So there's discipleship and productivity there, and then there's this other level of just sink or swim. So we want to develop jobs and pipelines uh, in each of those levels, and so that's what Future Steps is. So we can care for the kids that we have to prepare them for adulthood before we start to spread out and grow out. I don't know if that makes any sense, but you all share in the fruit of this." So I just want to say thank you so much. Um, You guys are near and dear to our hearts. There's nothing like coming and seeing and being able to pray with and talk with you guys. And so we're very blessed. So thank you so much for being a part of us. Um, I'm going to, can I pray for you before? Okay. Um, If we can pray. Um, Abba Father, Lord, um, even as Pastor Frank read your word uh, in the hallway, Father God, we know, Lord, that... um, Apart from you, we can do nothing. Uh, Lord, we know this, uh, that's the story of this church. Uh, we've seen miracle after miracle uh, come from uh, a group of people, Lord, that have looked up to you and uh, cried out to you, Father, uh, for you to be at work. And, uh, Lord, we've just seen so much fruit here. Lord, we know this is you and you and your work. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of of the folks here at Harvest. Would you continue, Lord, to empower the folks here, Lord, with your love through your Holy Spirit? Would you do that, Lord? So that, Father God, uh, Christ would continue to dwell in their inner being, Lord, that they would be rooted and grounded in Christ. That, Father God, even as this next season is potential buildings and And plans kind of, uh, you're unfolding before them, Father God. I just pray, Lord, that, that they would know with all the saints, the depth, the breadth, the height, the length, Father God, of the love that you have for each person here. And out of that love, Lord, that it would just overflow into the people around them. Would you do that work in their lives? Would you fill us with the fullness of you, Lord? The fullness of your spirit by your power. And Lord, today, this afternoon, Lord, would you, would you energize us and fuel us and convict us and encourage us, Lord, speak mightily, Father God, by the power of your spirit to my brother, Sean. Would you do that, Lord? Would you do the work today and that my brothers and sisters here can receive your grace? Father God, to you be the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
0: Good morning, Harvest. How you doing? I heard there's, like, teenagers in the room today. Is that true? Raise your hand if you're a teenager. They're all like... All right, good morning. Well, 19 years ago on Friday, I was an actor working at Universal Studios in Florida trying to live my dream. I wanted to be in Hollywood and on Broadway, and that was kind of my trajectory. And 19 years ago last Friday, I sat in a rental uh, house where I was renting a room, and I watched on the news at, about Columbine High School. You guys remember? Littleton, Colorado, for those of you who are over 20, over 30, probably, you're really remembering this, um, but Columbine High School, in a high school s- similar to this, right, um, in a suburb of uh, Colorado, there were two young men that came in, and I'll keep this kind of G-rated for young people, but two people, two young men came in, high school students with um, weapons under their trench coats, and they killed some of their peers and teachers. I remember sitting there and I watched that on the news and I went to my room and I got upset because... President Clinton, Bill Clinton was the president at the time, and he was talking all about gun laws. Now, I, you know, gun laws are important, but I was sitting there going, why is he not talking about, like, the two young men that did this? Like, what's going on inside of them? I got really, really frustrated. And so I went to my, my bedroom. I had known Jesus because he was going to save me from hell. That was That was my relationship with Jesus. He's going to save me from hell. I'm going to be able to go to heaven when I die. And that was about the extent of my relationship with God at the time. But I ran to my room, I got on my knees, and I was like, God, you have to show President Clinton this has more to do with than just gun laws. This has to do with high school students' hearts. There's, there's something going on. These two young men didn't just wake up one day, grab guns, walk in their school, and blow people up. Like, there was something going on inside of them for a while. And I was like, you got to, like, help him figure out what, like, he needs to say something other than gun laws. And, and that was the first time in my life I heard God's voice. He said, well, what are you going to do about it, Sean? And I was like, oh, I don't know if you've ever prayed to ask God for something or told, you know, told God what you wanted, that he speaks to you and you're like, oh, hey. But I remember I, at that moment, I said, God, please use me in some way to make sure this does not happen in more high schools. But don't make me do Christian drama and don't make me a pastor or ever work at a church because that stuff's really cheesy. And it's funny because 19 years later, I've been doing Christian drama. I've, I've served as a pastor for five years in this city, but I'm also on staff with GRIP Outreach for Youth as the GRIP the School Program Director in Chicago Public High Schools. This is so weird. This is so crazy. Walking life with young people and connecting adults like yourselves into a high school just like this to walk life on life with a young person and impart hope. The hope of the gospel. Separation of church and state is not an issue, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know. I always call separation of church and state, it's a demonic counterfeit used to invoke fear within the church to do nothing at all. That's what separation of church and state is. But when we step into public high schools in the city, the schools are open for the service. They're open for the adults to come in as teacher aides, volunteer support, hanging out with students, using art, calligraphy, acting, music lessons. And then while we are serving the school, we get to build authentic, deep relationships with students go outside the walls. It's amazing. It's a gift. And I, I'm honored to stand before you today, a church that has supported us financially. The reason why I can do what I'm doing now is largely God using his people. So thank you so much. I feel like I'm kind of a, an extension of the family. Um, I do want to mention one other young man, Nicholas Cruz. Do you guys know Nicholas Cruz's name? So on, in February, right around uh, Valentine's Day, I wrote this down in a prayer email I sent my volunteers. And Nicholas Cruz was the young man who entered into Parkland uh, High School in Florida and did a similar act. Right in February, seventeen were killed, sixteen were wounded, and God brought me back to Columbine again. And I was like, I cannot believe God. You you have you've been faithful. To, to, to lead me to work with students. But here's what's interesting. I want you to think about this young man, Nicholas. I researched Nicholas Cruz's life, and my heart broke once again, and I sense a greater call for what we do in the city and what you can do even here in the Burbs. Students describe Nicholas as weird, as a loner, as someone who boasted about possessing guns and knives. And there, then there was his Instagram account and a YouTube videos that indicated his obsession with guns and even stating he was going to be a school shooter one day. He was expelled from his high school last year for disciplinary reasons. But if you look a little deeper, there's a story under this young man's life. Nicholas and his biological brother were adopted as children. His adopted dad died of a heart attack when he was nine years old. How many of you lost your dad at nine? Maybe, no, nobody yet? Okay. His adopted mom died last year due to complications from pneumonia. So this young man who was adopted as a child, and if you know anything about adverse childhood experiences, we have a six-month-old foster child in our home, and there are issues in her heart already from in utero to the first couple months of her life. And this young man, Nicholas, had been adopted, then his dad dies at nine, then his adopted mom dies last year, often disturbed and with a reputation of being an outcast in school, it made me wonder who in his school was stepping up and identifying this young man and saying, hey, can be your friend? Hey, you're sitting alone at lunch. Yeah, he's a little weird, little loner. I see some stuff on YouTube. But what about investing in him? There was a family that did. They actually brought him into their home. The home that he had been living in when he committed the, the, the crime, the tragedy in Parkland. There was a family with a son who was a friend of his in school that brought him in. So there was a family. But then it made me go, was that family in Christ? Was that family able to identify deeper things in the soul of Nicholas and speak identity into his life? Now, I'm not saying that for sure, for sure no one reached out, and for sure that family wasn't Christ followers, but ladies and gentlemen, we're going to see tragedies like that happen if adults that are in the church do nothing, and if young high school students in high schools Don't reach out outside of their own comfort zone. We're going to see more brokenness happen. And so I'm, I'm grateful and honored to be with you guys this morning. I walk life with three young men that I met at Wells High School. Jamal, Israel, and Tommy—all three of them have graduated. But there's ups and downs in life, right? Like they've been my daughter right here, Anne Marie. She—we had Tommy live with us. We had an 18-year-old young man live with you know a mom, dad, and a, of a six-year-old daughter. You know, people are like, "You're crazy," or like, "We love Tommy," you know. And so as we've walked with them, Jamal, Tommy, and Israel—they've gone through ups and downs. Jamal's in a low right now. Just like our own kids, right? Just like us. Come on, adults. Like, how many of you are on a high? Oh, we're at church. Smile. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Bless you, brother. Bless you, brother. You leave and you go. Ah! Start yelling at your wife. And I'm just, I'm, I'm being. Well, I mean, it's true, right? I mean, it happens. We're real people. But I'm honored to be able to be with you here today, and I'm not going to talk about grip the school anymore. Because as I prayed, when I heard that I was going to preach, I was like, oh, am I supposed to preach on discipleship? And I felt like God was like, why don't you ask me what you want to, what I want you to share? And so as I prayed, I, I actually, the Lord was really sweet. He said, and I was sick. Actually, actually, I was on flat on my back going, Lord, in two weeks, I'm preaching at Pastor Dave Lee's pulpit. This is like an honor. This man's like awesome. And, and this is what the Lord said remind them of their first love and I was like oh no oh no oh no Lord because you know what that meant that meant Sean do you remember who your first love is before ministry before family before mission before all of these things do you remember do you remember when you fell in love with me Sean and it fueled everything you did and so I have a very brief, maybe, <laughs> message to share with you this morning. Um, I do have a... Do you have the clicker? Let me grab this. I'm going to show you a picture of a gentleman. I don't know if you guys know who this is, um, but his name is Charles Templeton. Anybody know Charles Templeton? Okay. Let me read you a real quick story about Charles Templeton. And so this, this handsome-looking man... Um, was a peer of Billy Graham. Everybody know Billy Graham? Just passed away actually a couple days after the Parkland shooting. It was such a unique like <laughs> dichotomy of like events. It's prophetic. God's moving. God's God's speaking. If you have ears to hear what the spirit's saying, you'll hear. But he was a he was a peer of Charles Temple uh, of Billy Graham. The legend has it that Charles Templeton was going to have a greater ministry than Billy Graham. That's the kind of level of an evangelist, a, a man that whose was, that was, heart was beating with the passion for Jesus. And Billy Graham and Charles Templeton, they, they loved one another so much. They did work together, but then something happened. Charles Templeton began to question a lot of things. It doesn't mean that you're not supposed to question. You can question everything in the Bible as much as you want. As long as you're pursuing Jesus, you'll actually discover, even through reason... That Jesus is exactly who he said he was. But Charles Templeton began to question things and began to walk in a different direction than Billy Graham. He actually said that Billy Graham committed intellectual suicide by just trusting by faith that the Bible is the, God's Word. Well, long story short, Charles Templeton becomes an agnostic. Not an atheist. He said atheists don't believe in God. He says Christians or people that are of faith believe in God. He goes, I believe you can't know God. So I can't know that God is real. At the end of Charles' life, a man named Lee Strobel, who was a Chicago Tribune reporter, was identifying, I want to figure out if Jesus really is who he said he was. He writes the book, The Case for Christ, meets Jesus in the midst of his journey, and then he goes to write another book called The Case for Faith and says, I want to meet Charles Templeton. I want to know what happened in this man's life who was going to be like a Billy Graham and now at the end of his life with Alzheimer's, he's struggling with agnosticism. And this is what happens. So he comes over to Charles' house in, in Canada and he starts talking to Charles about his life. Here, check this out. I want you to hear this. I don't know who I'm supposed to be speaking to today. There may be some of you in the room who, who love Jesus. And, it, and the love of Jesus fuels the love for your wife, your husband, your children. Some of you in here loved Jesus. And, and life has just gotten busy and, and responsibilities or maybe even ministry. And it's kind of like you're trying to you're trying to kind of get back to something. And some of you in here are kind of like, man, I'm questioning a lot of things. I, I, I'm not going to say I love Jesus because it's not true. And, and, and to all of you, I believe God is wanting to share something with you. Listen to what happened when Lee Strobel asks Charles about Jesus himself. Watch. How do you assess this, Jesus? Templeton's body language softened. It was as if he suddenly felt relaxed and comfortable in talking about an old and dear friend. His voice, which at times had displayed such a sharp and insistent edge during the interview, now took on a melancholy and reflective tone. His guard seemingly down, he spoke in an unhurried pace, almost nostalgically, carefully choosing his words as he talked about Jesus. Listen to what Templeton says. He was, Templeton began, the greatest human being who has ever lived. He was a moral genius. His ethical sense was unique. He was the intrinsically wisest person that I've ever encountered in my life or in my readings. His commitment was total and it led to his own death, much to the detriment of the world. What could one say about him except that this was a form of greatness? Lee Strobel was taken aback. You sound like you really cared about you really care about him. Templeton says, well, yes, he's the most important thing in my life. I, 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 he stuttered searching for the right word. I know it may sound strange, but I have to say I adore him. Lee Strobel wasn't sure how to respond. You say that with some emotion, Lee said. Well, yes everything good I know, everything decent I know, everything pure I know, I learned from Jesus. Yes, yes, and he was tough. Just look at Jesus. He castigated people. He was angry. People don't think of him that way, but they don't read the Bible. This is Templeton's words. He had a righteous anger. He cared for the oppressed and exploited. There's no question that he had the highest moral standard, the least duplicity, The greatest compassion of any human being in history. There have been many other wonderful people, but Jesus is Jesus. Lee Strobel says, and so the world would do well to emulate him? And Templeton says, oh my goodness, yes. I have tried, and try is as far as I can go, to act as I have believed he would act. That doesn't mean I could read his mind, because one of the most fascinating things about him was that he often did the opposite thing you'd expect. Abruptly, Templeton cut short his thoughts. There was a brief pause, almost as if he was uncertain whether he should continue. And he said this, uh, but no, he said slowly. He's the most, he stopped, then he started again. In my view, he is the most important human being who has ever existed. But then listen to what he says. And if I may put it this way, He said as his voice began to crack, I miss him. With that, tears flooded his eyes. He turned his head and looked downward, raising his left hand to shield his face from me, and his shoulders bobbed on as he wept. What was going on? In a gentle voice, Lee Strobel said, In what way do you miss him? Templeton fought to compose himself, and he said, enough of that. Isn't that interesting? In all of his statements about Jesus, you saw his heart. It was like he missed Jesus. He knew him, but he missed him. Now, he denied God's deity in Christ, in human flesh, but there was something very unique about Jesus. And I want to ask you a question today. Are some of you in life right now, and guys, I've had to ask myself this many times, do you miss him? Do you miss the sweetness of being with Jesus? Of worshiping him as God's son, God in the flesh, who not... Only took your sin. He, he came to live inside of you by his spirit. He united his life in you. In Revelation 2, this is the text the Lord led me to. Jesus. Guys, Revelation is the revelation of Jesus. Okay? It's revealing Jesus. And it was revealed to John. John was Jesus' best friend. John was 14 or 15 when Jesus was on the earth. The one that laid his head on Jesus' chest was a young teenager. Isn't that cool that Jesus picked the young teenager to be his closest disciple? That says something about you young people. Come on, man. John, at the end of his life, has a vision Powerful of Jesus, of an angel speaking to him about the revelation of Jesus. And in that revelation, Jesus had some things to say to seven churches in current modern-day Turkey. One of those churches, guys, think of this. If Jesus speaks to churches, he's speaking to harvest community. He has some things to say to us. Blessed are those whose ears hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. There was a church called in Ephesus, okay? And he writes to the angel of the church. They think the angel meant the messenger, the apostolic leader of the church. And he said, write this. I know your works. Listen to what Jesus is saying to this church in Ephesus. I know your work. I know your toil. I know your patient and thank you. Your patient endurance. And how you cannot bear with those who are evil. But you've tested those who call themselves apostles and are not. And you found them to be false. Jesus says, I know, church, you are enduring patiently. You're bearing up for my name's sake. And you've not grown weary. I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Another word for abandonment deserted, the love you had at first. Pause before you go to the next scripture. Ladies and gentlemen, Ephesus was the third largest city in in the ancient world. It was wealthy. It had the greatest revival in terms of the number of people when the gospel got to their shore. You can read in Acts 19 through 21, it was the third kind of city revival that took place as recorded in Acts. But here's the crazy thing. Massive idolatry in that city. Crazy wealth. And when Paul wrote Ephesians... Decades before Jesus says this about the church, do you know what Paul said? Paul was like, hey church, in Ephesus... Out of God's love, he chose you, he redeemed you, he forgave you, he adopted you, he placed you in Christ. It prompted the Ephesian church to to live out love for others. They lived out good works. They united people in diversity. It was not an isolated, segregated church. It was actually a very diverse church where even though there was segregation around them and separation around them, they experienced a unity in Christ. Paul prayed for them that they would be strengthened to know the love of God that surpasses even their mental knowledge, but that they would intimately, relationally know the love of Christ. He asked that they would be rooted and grounded in love, that they would know Messiah, that they would be filled with the fullness of God. Then Paul engaged them to love each other in such a way that is in line with who they are in Christ. He instructed them on marriage, family, spiritual warfare, and they ended with a verse that said, Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ, with love incorruptible. And then decades later, Jesus is saying, I know your works. I know your toil. I know you're patiently enduring under opposition, but church in Ephesus, I have this against you. You've abandoned the love you had at the first. I don't know where Harvest Community is. I really don't. I, I don't I'm not actively engaged with you on a daily or weekly basis. But ladies and gentlemen, I, in, my, in ministry, in, in 19 years from that time at that bed to this time in Chicago, the Lord has called me back to return to the first love so many times. Because we get used to things. We get used to playing instruments and singing songs and having food and setting up a church in a school and, and, and doing life. But you know, I, 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 I think of, let, let, me, let, me, let me say what Jesus may have said to them in a little bit of a different language. John, correct the church for lacking love for me like they used to. Back in the revival decades earlier, their first love was fresh and alive. They were serving me because they loved me. But now, church, you serve me, but you're disconnected from me. One of the most active, engaged, ministry-oriented churches in Ephesus. But Jesus said, they don't love me like they used to. That troubles me, John. Because I love them. And I want to minister through them out of the love they have for me. Look at what he said they must do. Go ahead. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Remember. Remember what it was like to spend time with me in my presence, where you would hear my voice in your home, in the gathering, in your family. Remember from where you have fallen and repent. Repent. It's not, oh God, oh, what do I got to do to be by with you? No, repent is Jesus. It's, it's re gazing upon him. It's a turning. It's a viewing. It's a, it's a turning from and looking at. It's, it's not turning from and where do you go? It's running to him. It's fleeing temptation, running to somewhere to Jesus. It's, it's gazing upon him again. Repent and then watch and do the works you did at first. Do you remember when you fasted and prayed? Not because Pastor Dave said, hey, we're fasting this month, but because you longed for the bridegroom. Ladies and gentlemen, when I got up from my knees at that bed as a 20-year-old, 20, what was I, 21-year-old actor, do you know what God led me into about a year later? He gave me a revelation of the Father's love. Lady teenagers, I was sitting in a seat in a prayer meeting and this person came over and started praying for me. I got a vision. What? Visions happen? Yeah, they happened in the scripture. I got a vision. I saw myself on the uh, embraced as, as, as a father would embrace a child with by Jesus. And as they were praying over me, they were praying that I would receive a revelation of the Father's love. Y'all, I have never from that point till now ever doubted that God is fully pleased with me. Not because of my behavior, not because of my action. I've never felt like I had to fight in prayer to try to get acceptance from him. From that point on, I knew I had received the spirit of adoption. That Romans 8 says, by whom you can cry out, Dada, Dada, Abba, Abba, Abba. Abba is a Hebrew word for Dada. That's what he wants us to approach him as. Daddy, Abba. After receiving revelation of the Father's love, my heart grew so in love with the Father. And then I learned about my identity in Christ. I learned that the way that God views his church, his people, is through the lens of his son. And when you come into Christ, you don't just follow a new set of religious principles. You don't just change an idol to another idol. You actually become united with Christ's life. Where what is true of Jesus is true of you because you're in Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. When, that reve- when God revealed that to me, I fell in love with Jesus. I had this understanding of the Father's love. It didn't mean my life was perfect. It didn't mean that I don't still struggle today. But I want you guys to know, experience, relationship with Jesus is real. And it's what he wants. He doesn't want the ministry activity if it's the heart disconnected from him. It doesn't mean that ministry activity will be fruitless. There are people that will die bearing much fruit, but their intimacy was lacking because they missed returning to their first love. The Father's love, intimacy with Christ. And then when the Spirit of God began to show me that he wanted to fill me up and use my life to pour out to others guys this is real stuff if you if you struggle with what i'm saying let's look back to the old testament what did what did david say in psalm 27 the one thing the one thing i have desired and that will i seek that i may dwell in your house forever and that i will gaze upon The beauty of the Lord and inquire of him. Well, did Jesus ever talk about this? Yes. Luke 11. Martha and Mary. Martha's serving. Jesus is sitting in their home. Mary is seated at Jesus' feet, absorbing everything that Jesus is wanting to tell her. And Martha says this, Lord, Lord, aren't you? Do you see my sister? She said this, she was distracted with much serving. And she went up to the Lord and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, he said it twice, you are anxious and troubled about many things. You are anxious. You are constantly in angst, Martha. And you are upset and bothered about many things. But one thing is necessary. And Mary has chosen the good portion which will not ever be taken away from her. One thing. David, the one thing. Jesus, the one thing. Paul. I desire to depart and be with you, Jesus. But I know that I should stay here and serve my brothers and sisters. There was intimacy. I long to know Christ and him crucified in the fellowship of his sufferings, the power of his resurrection. And then you look in Revelation and Jesus is like, you've abandoned the love you had at first. Therefore, church, I'm not going to spank you. I'm going to woo you. Remember from where you've fallen. Repent. Come here. Come here. Come here. And do the works you did at first. This is crazy. Otherwise, I will remove the lampstand, which is the church, from its place. The world does not need to see another church that gets busy on Sunday. They're not going to come. They're not coming anymore. Very few come. But they will, the world will be transformed by people in love with Jesus that go back to work, that go back to school and hang out with Nicholas Cruz, that go back to their neighborhoods and talk to the neighbor behind the fence. They will be drawn by the love that you have for Jesus and the love he has flowing through you. And the good works will come. You don't have to ask God for good works. They were already set apart before the foundations of the world that you'd walk in them. What your job is to do is to return to the love you had at first for the savior of your soul. The one that's not a historical person as Charles Templeton missed, but the one that is the king of king, with eyes like fire, with clothing that's going, with a train of his robe that fills the temple with glory, because he's conquered every other kingdom ever, and he's released the kingdom now. You seek first his kingdom, He's the king. And His righteousness, all the other things, ladies and gentlemen, will be added. I am thanking God that you guys have a building that is mo- you're moving toward. I just heard that today. I pray in Jesus' name that the building that you state that you that you begin to fill that this will be true of you. Shut your eyes. I'm going to pray over you. For this reason, Abba, I bow my knees before you from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of your glory, you would grant Harvest Community Church, God, to be strengthened with power through your spirit in their inner being. Christ, dwell in their hearts through faith. And Harvest Community Church, I pray that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses your intellectual knowledge that you will experientially, relationally know the love of Christ that surpasses intellectual knowledge so that you will be filled with all the fullness of God. Now, Abba, to you who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to you be glory in the church, in Harvest Community, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. God bless you, Harvest Community Church. The Lord loves you. Put your hand on your heart. He literally lives in you. You don't have to fight to enter into the presence of Jesus. He died and resurrected to live in you by his spirit. Everything you need for life and godliness is found in Christ. Now with the other hand, take your neighbor's hand. Take, take someone's hand next to you. What you feel in the palm of your hand right now is a member of the body of Christ. Christ. This is part of Jesus. You need each other because Christ is in you. You can't do this without each other, and you can't do it without your first love. There's going to be a revival before Jesus comes back and touches his feet, his own pierced feet on this planet, you will see him do exceedingly above and beyond what you could ask, think, or imagine. So with great faith in him, I pray that you will never have to hear This I have against you. Return to your first love. And if you do, he'll be gracious. He'll woo you back again. Our teenagers need to see moms and dads and peers. Oh God, they need to see. They need to see the love of Christ. Christ. So desperately. So lay down religion, Harvest Community. And remember that you are a part of the body of Christ. He is the head. You're members of the body. And you are dearly, dearly loved.